Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. We're going to continue our series. And just to reiterate what conversion means. Conversion, and the way we're using it is, after salvation, right? After you come to the knowledge of the Lord, after you've come to uh, the saving grace of the Lord, there's a process by which we become more suitable for God's use, right? There's a process of what is called sanctification, which is God getting you prepared for use. So what that means is in that preparation time um, or in that process of getting to know the Lord, there are certain things that we bring to the relationship. There are baggage that we bring to the relationship, struggles, preconceived ideas, feelings about ourselves and all this. So when we come to the Lord, God automatically wants to reveal to you your purpose and your assignment, right? What are you here for? What is God's purpose for your life? And a lot of times getting from getting to know the Lord to figuring that out is a rough journey because it's a wrestling with ourselves. We're fighting our past. We're fighting things that, you know, everything. And it's torment a lot of times. So God is saying, I have you here. This is what I have for you. But it's very easy for us, as we talked about the first time, disqualifying ourselves, counting ourselves out because of what we did or what we're struggling to not do. And then at the same time, uh, being able to see what see ourselves as God sees us, you know, because because God's purpose is going to be constantly conflicting with how you see yourself. So how do you get over that hump and come more into a freedom and a confidence in who God called you to be? while you're still human, while you're still dealing with perceptions of yourself. That's the goal of this series, Converted. So when we say converted, that means, like your analogy with the numbers, Mm -hmm. making yourself more suitable. Right. Like you said, he's taking those things away from us and making us more readily available Mm -hmm. for service. You know, I mean, he can use us in whatever state we're in, but for optimal use Mm -hmm. and for what he's called us to do, there are things that need to come off of us. And just because the purpose of salvation and this journey is to become more and more like Christ. Right. So when we're starting, we're the least like Christ, right? Mm-hmm. But the more we grow and the more we come into who God is and, and the more God works in us and does the work in us is the more we become like Christ. Exactly. Because the goal is to look like Christ. Yeah. And then you'll enjoy a ride. Like you'll feel the freedom And you'll be able to get the fruit of your labors along the way. It's actually a partnership with God. It's participating with God in your purpose, right? So Jesus said, I no longer call you servants to his apostles, to his disciples, because there's a relationship where you go from servant to friend. And this is how we become more in tune with what God is doing. And that's how we move forward in our relationship and join this walk with the Lord. This series is going to really be a close to heart series. Okay, so I want you to be prayerful. I want you to be open um, because we're really going to be dealing with some things that a lot of us struggle with. Honestly, right? A lot of us struggle with insecurity. A lot of us struggle with condemnation. A lot of us struggle with guilt and shame and things like that. 
and they impede our relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we're going to challenge those things. We're going to face them in this series and we're going to grow in grace together. Amen. All right. We'll continue on with part two of forgiving yourself. Uh, last week, it was too much to, to we would do it a great disservice by not coming back again and dealing with the other parts of this particular topic. All right. So like we said, salvation and forgiveness go hand in hand. Right. There is no definition of salvation without the understanding of forgiveness. OK, so we take it from a natural point of view. We all know what it feels like to offend somebody. And we all know what it like feels like to need forgiveness. Right. right. We all know what it feels like to request forgiveness from somebody and that awkwardness, whether they're going to choose, whether they're going to forgive you or not. We all know what it feels like to have relationships that are actively living out unforgiveness and the anxiety that we feel. And or sometimes it's like what we say. Please, you know, whatever we dismiss them. It ain't important. I'm moving on my life. But we, all, we, we understand that there is a sense of closure that comes with forgiveness that gives us permission to move on. Right. When we think about forgiveness, God's forgiveness is not the same as our forgiveness. Our default forgiveness, like we said before, looks more like probation. It looks more like when we forgive people, we put them in a category of detention. God's forgiveness is holy and sacred in that God chooses not to remember what we have done once we have confessed that we've done it. God is not sitting around holding grudges. God is not sitting around putting you. God gives us a fresh, clean start when we repent. Okay. That is so important for us to understand because that is the doorway to us being able to come into a real relationship with the Lord where we really feel free from condemnation, free from shame, free from guilt, free from our past. Right. So last week, we kind of opened this up a little bit more about what forgiveness looks like from God's point of view. All right. Think about that image when Jesus is on the cross. Right. And the first thing that he says out of his mouth is. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Gives you an insight on how God, the perception and, and the definition of God's forgiveness, that while you are actively mm. doing something that is offensive, he is in the posture to forgive you. Mm. Like he, he's also the Bible talks about love and we say God is love. God is the embodiment of love, the very definition of love. And one of the things that love tells us is, you know, the scripture and I think it's first Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm -hmm. But love Keeps no record of wrong. So that means the way God thinks about us and thinks about sin and thinks about our offenses is once we admit to our frailty and confess our deficiencies to the Lord, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's very tempting for us to look at forgiveness in a way that we forgive each other. And try to reflect that on God, which causes a lot of us to walk in persistent negativity about ourselves. And, and this whole notion of forgiving ourselves is prevalent. And it is, if I could dare to say this, single handedly, one of the most debilitating things that we do to ourselves when seeking and desiring to walk forward in our purpose in God. So today we're going to go deeper 
We understand that it's important for us to forgive ourselves. We're going to talk a little bit about how we do it, how God desires us to do it. But then also what we want to do is how do we move forward in forgiving ourselves when the people we are asking forgiveness from don't forgive us? Mm. How do we move forward when we've offended, not passive, offended people so much that they can't move forward and they can't receive our forgiveness? How do we move forward forgiving ourselves? The first point um, that we talked about was just to level the playing field was all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It starts there, which means all of us are in need of forgiveness. Forgiveness, first and foremost, from God. The second thing was forgiving yourself is not the same as giving yourself a free pass. So we had to make that clear, right? The only way we're able to be empowered to forgive ourselves is first we must be forgiven. Because but the Bible tells us, Forgive one another, even as I have forgiven you. So there's a process of understanding what God's forgiveness looks like, which we are to mirror to others and also to ourselves. Right. Right. They go hand in hand. Exactly. Even in the Lord's Prayer, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those or forgive us our trespasses Mm -hmm. as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yeah. So it's a hand in hand. Yeah. So there is a posture and disposition of forgiveness that a Christian must constantly have, not just with other people, but also with ourselves. Mm. The third point, which we're going to focus on today is self-forgiveness requires a recognition of who we have sinned against and an acceptance of their forgiveness. Okay. the example that comes to mind here is when David, you know, we talked about David a little. We mentioned him. You know, David is the king. He's got everything he wants. He gets everything he wants. He does what he wants. And he's a godly man. But David likes the ladies. And David one day is on his terrace and he sees this beautiful lady and he wants to have her. So he arranges for her husband to get killed in battle so that he could have her to himself. It's pretty gangster. <laughs> and the Bible is very clear on exposing like this whole thing and, the, you know, the, the idea of it and all of that stuff and how it happened. So the thing is, we're saying this because the Bible is not shy when it comes to giving the details of our humanity. The Bible does not hide the fact that we're frail. Right. But God shows what he can do with our frailty and we just admit it and we just confess it. So then David you know, gets confronted by his prophet. His prophet basically says, you know, calls him out on it. And instead of David saying, I'm the king off with your head, prophet, he starts to pray to God and confess to God. And this is actually seen in Psalm 51 verses two through four. David says, wash me thoroughly and repeatedly from my iniquity, my inner sin and my guilt and cleanse me and make me wholly pure from my sin. Notice he's confessing the fact, Lord, I messed up. This was a sin. This was a plot that I had. I created this whole thing and somebody died from it. So, in fact, I murdered him. You know, I set this whole thing up so I can have his woman. For I am conscious of my transgression and I acknowledge them. My sin is ever before me. What that means is I'm feeling terrible on the inside every time I look myself in the mirror about what I've done. Many of us can relate to the fact that our past caused us to feel a certain way about ourselves Mm -hmm. to the point that we feel dirty inside. So so David here is asking, he's saying, 
I'm conscious of my transgression because I can see and have been made aware of my sinfulness. I've been uh, been made aware that what I have done is not right. And I'm not able to fix the problem on my own. But I need you to help me with this feeling inside. But then he says, against you and you only have I sinned. So this made me think a little deeper, like, okay, well, you did sin against God, David, but you also sinned against the woman and you also sinned against the family and then you sinned against the kingdom and then you sinned against. So it's kind of like, what is David saying here? We must first confess and admit that anytime we transgress against our brothers, against anybody else, ultimately we are sinning against God. Ultimately, God is the one that is most offended by our wrongs. Mm -hmm. So David says, Lord, before you and you only, I have sinned. I have done this in your sight and you are justified in whatever sentence you give me because I see where I went wrong. Now, this is so powerful because David's confidence in the Lord puts him in a place to be able to be okay with whatever the consequences of his mess up is, even if it means God says, I'm forgiving you. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Accepting God's forgiveness is you trusting the fact that God has already judged you and given you a sentence appropriate to what you've done, right? Whenever we walk in unforgiveness of ourselves, we are undermining the sacrifice of Christ, Mm. right? We are undermining the sacrifice of salvation. God has put the sins of the world on Christ. Mm. So when we walk around in unforgiving ourselves, we are saying Christ's death was not enough for me. And the reason why God can forgive us the way he does is because he's already taken care of sin through Christ. And if we admit and confess our frailty and our need for Christ, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what does this look like? What does this look like when we're walking with the Lord and we're, you know, saved and trying to come into this freedom that, yes, God has called me to this ministry, but I got a reputation. Or, you know, God has called me into this place, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm insecure or God has called me in this place. But I, whatever excuse we tell ourselves that God, you made a mistake by calling me to this thing. So this causes us to go now to talk to to look at our brother, Paul. Right. Brother Paul, brother, brother, brother Saul that got converted to Paul. We all know the story. And most of us, if we don't, this, this is found in Acts where, where Paul is on his way to Damascus and he's on his road. And he is a very intelligent uh, Jew that uh, believes that Christianity is wrong. And he is basically oppressing. um, He's basically persecuting. And in some cases, even winking at the deaths of people who claim to follow Jesus. So Paul is on a road to Damascus. And uh, on that road, he has an encounter. He gets knocked off his horse, blinded. He hears a voice from heaven. And it basically says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, Wait, who is this talking to me? And Jesus says, it's me that you're persecuting. See, you're persecuting the Christians, but you're really persecuting me. Right. Paul has his conversion. And now he has to now move forward in God's purpose. Now, I wanted to look at this real quick. Acts chapter 22, verses four through 21. And this is actually Paul's confession. Right. So a lot of times people like when you see Paul um, get converted, you don't really see any dialogue of him apologizing. You don't really see him saying, Lord, but I did this, but I did that. God calls him. And I want you, I want us to see how God sees us when we mess up 
and how we see ourselves. Okay, so that's the point of this. All right, so go ahead, babe. Sorry. Okay. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. Mm -hmm. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, mm. calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Okay. The reason why we wanted to bring that to you is because it, it gives us both the story of Paul's conversion, but also it gives us a glimpse into what he's going through inside. Right. Right. See, the thing is, a lot of times when God calls us after we get saved, we feel like everything inside is supposed to be like just just fine. Like right. you're not going to be dealing with your own issues. You're not going to be dealing with your own perception of yourself. So the thing with Paul is he had to overcome the fact that his reputation was jacked up. He had to deal with the fact that he was actively participating in hurting, killing, destroying families and persecuting people. And now he got to go to these people and say, God called me. And because God called me, y'all got to forgive me. Think about that. Like, think about yourself and all the stuff that we have done to people, maybe not to this magnitude. But there's some things that we've done to people where we've hurt people legit. And that hurt that we have dealt to people as time goes on can sometimes start to contaminate us inside and make us feel unworthy of what God is calling us to do. And, and like I said in the beginning, you're faced with the memories and the recollections mm -hmm. of what transpired. You know, at the end of the day, when everything's quiet, the kids are to bed and the TV's off yep. and you're laying head to pillow yep. in silence. All those things 
have the tendency to flood back to you and they, they, they rush your mind and you start thinking back to what you could have done better and why did I say that and why did I do that and look at that relationship, it's in shambles and you, you're, you're faced with the memories and the recollections of your mistakes and your transgressions and your, your offenses towards other people and even yourself, right. things that you did to yourself. And, you know, that that, like you said, it is what inhibits that those memories internally was what he was dealing with. I stood there and watched them kill Stephen and did nothing. Yeah, that's all happening and replaying in his mind. Mm-hmm. It's so true. But look at this. When Jesus appears to Saul on the road, what does he say to him? He says, why are you persecuting me? Not why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting these families? See, there's a perception here that God is trying to get us to see that we must first recognize our ultimate offense against God. What that does is that allows us to be able to see God as the final judge. Mm -hmm. And if the final judge forgives me, I should be able to move on whether you forgive me or not. Yes. And see that that's really and, and this is this is deep because this by no way discourages us from following peace with all men. And seeking forgiveness from people who we've offended. If it's at all in our power, the Bible tells us, seek peace and pursue it. Follow peace with all men. That's, that's the call. But what if you're following peace and it's one-sided? So I'm not going to be able to move forward because they didn't forgive me. See, now you are putting your feelings and your perception above what God said about forgiveness. Mm. So notice there's no in his testimony, even when you look early, I think it's Acts chapter nine or eight, and nine. I think it's eight where Paul's actual conversion is recorded. Paul's testimony lines up with it. But in both instances, you can see that his conversation with the Lord is very brief. Like Saul, you have persecuted me. Saul didn't say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, what, 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 what was an apology required of the Lord? Well, that's a whole nother thing, right? But would God prefer an apology out of your mouth or a lifestyle change? And that's where walking in forgiveness, both outwardly and inwardly, really helps us to be able to come together and partner with God when it comes to walking in our purpose. So notice what God says. The God of your ancestors, this is Ananias that basically prophesied to Paul. First of all, he said, Brother Saul. He called him Brother Saul before he was even in the family yet. See how God assumes that you're going to be a part of the club? You see how we disqualify ourselves, but God is like, come on, it's okay. I knew, see, uh, you, your sin doesn't surprise me. Your, your deficiency doesn't surprise me. God is saying, what you're saying is the worst thing you've ever done doesn't surprise me because that's the purpose of Christ. Right. I'm not surprised. And it's, it's irrelevant. Jesus never set, addresses what he did specifically. He just says, why are you persecuting, pe- me. persecuting me? Yeah. Paul is the one that gives a rundown of specific sins. God is saying it's sin is sin. It doesn't matter. The, the fact is you just, you're persecuting me. Just get it right. You don't need an itemized list of yeah. what you did that Amen. we do that. Amen. And those lists kill us. Those lists are all the things that we're going to try to address that keep us from walking in freedom. Condemnations on the list, low self-esteem, guilt, Shame, inadequacy, rejection. worthlessness, rejection. All these things are on our list that make us feel like we can't be, we can't do, we're not who God says we are. 
So notice that God basically tells Paul here, the God of your ancestors has chosen you to know the will of God and to hear his words from his mouth. What are you waiting for? Notice God is not giving Paul any permission or time to think about the list. He's not giving him any time or permission to think about the things that he has done to keep him out of the fact that you're still chosen. You're still called. I still got a purpose for you. As a matter of fact, I got a people that are waiting for you to just tell them what you've been through because your message is your story. Your message is the truth about how I came in your life and how I've forgiven you for all the stuff that you have done. So you just, I hope you see how liberating that is, how freeing that is. And that's the way God wants us to walk in relationship with him. The fourth point is your level of divine usefulness is correlated to your ability to both forgive others and forgive yourself. The more you are able to let things go and forgive other people and forgive yourself as God has forgiven you, the more useful you will be to God. The more useful you will be in your life, the more useful you'll be to the world the more liberated you would be inside as God has forgiven you. Being able to forgive yourself is one of the most sacredly courageous things that you can do because it's challenging you to face the fact that you have done something wrong to hurt somebody, to offend God. We have all sinned. Now, the faith that we have in salvation tells us that, yes, I have sinned, but because God says he's forgiven me, I'm going to forgive myself. So that means I'm humbling myself. I'm humbling how I think about myself. I'm humbling my own opinion of myself under the fact that God has forgiven me. And if you have to do that every second and remind yourself every minute of the day, I'm forgiven because God has forgiven me. I'm going to walk in freedom because God has forgiven me. Then let that be the confession of your life. Because to God, that's true. And how you walk that revelation out is by doing the will of God. So I often, I often wonder, like Paul's road was very, very rough. Paul's road, if you, if you, and if you study the book of Acts, you see he was shipwrecked multiple times. I mean, he was in, at in death's jail. door. <laughs> he, he basically wrote most of the New Testament from jail. Yeah. In different jails. Solitary confinement. Uh, getting beat up almost to death multiple times and all that. Um, and I always often wonder, like, man, the level of conviction that he had to keep getting up and going speaks to the fact he really believes that he was forgiven. I want to ask you that. We ask ourselves, do you really believe that you're forgiven? Do you believe that God has really forgiven you? Do you believe that the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you be saved? And what that encompasses is everything that I have done, all the problems and, and offenses that I can't fix, that God has forgiven me for that. And even the things that I'm wrestling with, that I'm constantly repenting for and struggling with, like I'm not indulging in, but I'm wrestling with these things right, right now. Do you believe that every time you come to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness? This is where... The rubber meets the road in our faith, in our relationship with the Lord. This is where the rubber meets the road and the fact that understanding that God is not like us and he's not holding a grudge. That he is ready and delights to forgive. And that's the same posture that he wants us to have towards others 
in ourselves. It's just a powerful thing to think about how much Paul had to actually overcome. And when you have done that much wrong, like you have to give it to God. Right. You have to give it to God in order to move on. What I found intriguing was God calls Paul to an assignment. God is not necessarily requiring him to go back to the people that's not going to accept his apology. Right. And that's kind of what we were dealing with. Right. The heart of it. Right. Paul was not sent back to the people that he offended in a sense. God had a whole other assignment for him that would work together with the liberation plan that God had already had for him. Right. Because oftentimes we'll put ourselves in, in predicaments and situations where we feel like we need to prove our conversion and prove that we've turned Changed. over a new leaf mm-hmm. and we're not the same person. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the other party may not ever be ready to receive your change. They may look at you until you die as being the same old person. And God hasn't even intended for you to be in that situation of having to prove because that's, that's he never called us to prove we're we're just walking in who we are and whoever is supposed to recognize who we are will. And whoever sees us the way they see us, I mean, he said right he there. Said he, he said, said they're Lord, not going to believe you. They're not going to. He said, look, they're not going to believe you. So get up because I'm sending you to the Gentiles. So now I'm going to use your testimony to reach people who would never have been reached otherwise. And Paul wrote most of the New Testament that we know, understand the character of God and what it means to be saved and the depths of God's forgiveness in, in, in the book of Romans, that when I seek to do good things, evil is always present. No, uh, nothing can, can uh, separate me from the love of God. There's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This is all coming from Paul's testimony and from him dealing with and surrendering all that stuff that he did and all the feelings that come to it. Now he is basically writing to us from with the Holy Spirit, using all of that stuff. To teach us a revelation about the Lord that we would have never had otherwise. And that's what forgiving yourself, that's the fruit of walking in forgiveness, not of just others, but of yourself. And it's powerful. Imagine how much more potent your story would be if you surrendered all of yourself to God and forgave yourself because God has forgiven you. Not putting yourself on probation. Not giving yourself, disqualifying yourself, because it's undermining the fact that God knows you better than you know you. God bore witness to the times that we offended other people. God bore witness. He was there the whole time. He watched you do it. He watched us plan stuff and get away with it, seemingly. Things that we've done to people that we don't even realize we've done to them. And it's the enemy's plan to get us down on ourselves to the point that we don't accept the fact that God is not a man and he's not going to lie. Whatever God says, it is. And if God is the judge of the world and he has pronounced forgiveness over me as a judgment, that his decision for me, once I confess I'm forgiven, I need to walk in that because that is the ultimate authority. What does God have purpose for you? And what have we put in our way that we have not surrendered to God from within ourselves to to disqualify ourselves from walking in freedom? And the list goes on. We talked about Peter. 
Moses, another character Mm -hmm. who killed somebody. And God had to get him to a place of, listen, you're my man. I've called you for a purpose and your purpose and coming in line alignment with your purpose in God will free you from all of this other stuff that you've been carrying around. It's God's desire for us to walk in a level of freedom that surpasses the ills and the burdens of this world. God wants us to be free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Ephesians 4 and 32, and this is our last, um, last scripture here. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely, as God in Christ forgave you. So when you read that scripture, we are reading that scripture and looking out at other people. But what this particular part of the series is calling us to do is look in the mirror and read that scripture to yourself. That when we say forgive one another, you're a one another too. And so am I. We are one another when we look in the mirror. That one another is not just an outward thing. So he's basically telling us, hey, look at yourself in the mirror and become useful and helpful and kind, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving yourself readily and freely. How? Why? As God has forgiven you. This will take your life with God to a whole nother level of worship, a whole nother level of respect, a whole nother level of honor and revelation of the depth of God's love for us. And it, it, it really is, like you kept saying, receiving forgiveness is an act of humility because when we don't forgive ourselves, where it's like we're put, like you said, putting ourselves as idols mm-hmm. and we're focused, our focus is on us and how we feel rather than just receiving the forgiveness and move, looking at the bigger picture and moving on. Like we want to park. It's like being in the middle of a, of, of a hurricane or something and everybody's trying to get to safety and you're sitting down in the middle of the street because <laughs> you, 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 I don't know, forgot your umbrella. And so you're going to not, instead of just moving and getting out the way and just taking someone else's umbrella, you're crying over the fact that you didn't bring your own umbrella. No, just take the umbrella given to you and move out the way because you're now you're a hazard to someone else. Yes. Yes. But you're so focused on yourself that you're not seeing how it's affecting other people. Receive the forgiveness that's there for you and move on. Amen. Because it's not about you. That's it. It's not about you. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you for this series and we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, you have brought your mirror down and you are showing us ourselves. And we thank you for the opportunity to see ourselves the way you see us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the uh, privilege of delving deeper into what it means to be forgiven by you. Forgive us, Lord, for exalting our opinions over the one who created the heavens and the earth. Forgive us for exalting our intelligence and our perception of ourselves over the one who created everything, who, who, who is the ancient of days, who is the holy one, who is the beginning and the end. We see now how arrogant that is. 
So we pray, God, that you would help us in this area of humility, that we would humble ourselves enough to understand and receive the forgiveness that comes from a repented heart. So we pray, Lord, for every listener right now, everyone who has gathered today, that you would give them another revelation of your forgiveness towards them personally. That I pray, Lord, that you would shine your light on the areas in them that they wrestle with, that cause them to be insecure and that disqualify themselves from all that you have for them. Because you have a purpose and a plan and you have chosen them for a people and for a work. Help us not to get in the way. Help us to say yes again from the depths of our heart. And even those who may be listening that have not come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord that you would reveal yourself to them even through this. Let them know that if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart the Lord Jesus, that they will be saved. So we thank you for the opportunity to know you and to be known by you. What an honor it is. So we pray that as we continue in this series, Lord, that you would continue to work on our hearts and uncover those things that are keeping us away from the fullness of what you called us to. This is our prayer today, Lord. We hope you've been blessed by what we shared. You can follow us at Sunday Devotionals on Instagram and like us on Facebook, where we can continue our discussions and keep in touch. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.